0: This is for protection from the police as well as transparency and accountability for police in the community.
1: Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker is talking about House Bill 195 that would outfit police and other law enforcement officials throughout the state with body-worn cameras.
2: Um, I think everybody that wants police reform can agree. We don't think it's all police who indulge in misconduct. There are good officers out there
1: Hanif Salam of the ACLU of Delaware says House Bill 195 would also highlight officers who go far beyond the job to protect and serve. And then there's the University of Delaware's police chief, Pat Ogden.
3: We don't look at police reform as, as some hindrance or, or, or an obstacle. We look at it as an opportunity. And uh, you know, we wanna be part of the solution, not be part of the problem.
1: Three different perspectives in a discussion about transparency, accountability, and the importance of legislation that would help restore community trust and eliminate any abuse of power. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I'd like to welcome Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker, lead sponsor of House Bill 195, legislation to enforce a statewide body-worn camera program. Representative Dorsey Walker, tell us a little bit more about that one. It sounds serious, but tell us a little bit more.
0: I have to say I'm really, really excited about the fact that House Bill 195 has the support of the law enforcement community. We need people to understand this is for protection for the police as well as transparency and accountability for police in the community because there are those who will tell a story but the body-worn camera will capture the real story so the all-seeing eye of the camera will be a blessing to the police as well as the community and secretary nate mcqueen and chief pat ogden have been fabulous throughout this process So I'm just grateful that we have representatives, Representative Cook, Representative Lynn, Representative Larry Mitchell, who also helped to bring this bill to fruition. It definitely is a team effort.
1: Speaking of a team effort, I'm sure it will take a team to store all of the data, right? Where will all of this information go or footage go?
0: an outstanding question what ultimately will happen is a special thank you to governor john corney for including in his budget $3.6 million and that's the cost to ensure that the footage can in fact be stored. Many of the smaller policing agencies in our state, they would have already been outfitted with body worn cameras, but it was cost prohibitive for them. So now that the governor has included it in his budget, Attorney General has set aside some funds, Attorney General Jennings and Congresswoman Lisa Blunt Rochester secured funds, we can indeed ensure that we shall have a body-worn camera policy all throughout the state. And the storage, which is an issue financially, will be covered by the aforementioned elected officials who worked feverishly to ensure that we had the funds.
1: Now, what about training? Explain the role of the Council of Police training.
0: So the COPT, they're going to actually put together we're, what we're doing is putting the policy in place for all of the officers to be outfitted with body-worn cameras with house bill 195. Mm-hmm. What we're also doing is we're giving the power to the council on police training which is encompassed uh, it's, it's made up of officers and the officers should have a say in how this policy is in fact implemented. I personally believe they should.
1: I'm glad you brought up the membership changes because the bill does change the membership of the COPT and changes the quorum as well from seven to nine members. Any reason why the change?
0: Yes, great question. The ultimate goal was to ensure that the community could in fact have a say with the policy. With the change, we're actually adding voices that ordinarily would not have a seat at the table. So it's to ensure that the community does have some input with this legislation.
1: Now, playing devil's advocate a bit, not that I wear that hat often, but just playing <laughs> <laughs> just playing devil's advocate, are body cameras the simple answer? to transparency and accountability? Like, we've watched some public cases where officers allegedly forget to turn on their body-worn cameras.
0: That's an outstanding question. It's going to take a multitude of opportunities for reform, and body-worn cameras is one of those opportunities. Now, I want to stress that I am a firm believer that we have outstanding police officers from as far north as Oregon to as far south as Selbyville, up and down this state. We have committed officers who are sincere about their service to the community. There are those, and we've seen countless examples of officers who They have done something and it brings a bad name to the entire policing community. But it is my hope that with House Bill 195 that we can start changing the narrative regarding police and police relations and police involvement in communities. I'm looking forward to the day when we see the police as, and I'll tell you, Prior to the coronavirus, you would see officers in my district playing kickball with my children in the community, and I'd be right out there with them. You would see officers supporting our children at their baseball games or at their basketball games, or you may see officers on the court in my district, in Helen Chambers Park or Judy Johnson Park. So these are the kinds of interactions that I think will help shift the narrative. Now, granted, there are things that are going to happen. Crime is crime. And the officers get sent and they're sent to do a job. But at the same time, what we want to do is ensure that when the officer tells his or her story, that that body-worn camera helps tell the story. And it's not a narrative that's put together by an individual who says, well, well, I just want to get this particular cop in trouble, or the cop wants to get somebody in the community in trouble. What ultimately happens is the truth is told because it's captured on the camera.
1: Yeah. Any last words? Anything else you like to add or or what you want to be the take home message to the audience about House Bill one ninety five? You mentioned playing kickball with the officers earlier. Uh, or, or just with the community seeing that happen pre, pre-pandemic, uh, what do you think the culture of police and community will be like post-pandemic?
0: It is my hope that the policing culture will shift, but not just the policing culture, but the community too, and that there will be a shift in a positive direction because there's a willingness on the part of the police and the community to come together as one no one person can make the changes that need to happen but when we work collectively we can really make a difference in our society and working very closely in particular with wilmington police and many others but because i live in wilmington i have Outstanding relationships with Wilmington Police and, in particular, Inspector Ash and Chief Tracy and many officers and Captain LaKeele. Just very grateful to have these relationships with the hope that those in my community can also have these same kinds of relationships with officers. It, It is the prayer that yes, things have happened. And we can't change the past, but we can definitely work toward a brighter present and future through the body and cameras.
1: Just want to reset for a moment. Thank you all for listening to Whip Count. We're discussing body camera legislation, House Bill 195, which is sponsored by Representative Sherry Dorsey Walker. I'd like to now welcome Hanif Salam of the ACLU to Whip Count. Thank you
2: for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
1: So, Salam, you're quite transparent about your past as well as passionate personally and professionally about. Equal Justice, Public Safety and Training, and the list goes on. Uh, First, tell us about yourself and what you do for the ACLU.
2: Yeah, I am the Delaware Smart Justice Campaign Manager. So uh, Smart Justice was a campaign launched in 2018, and the goal is to reduce the prison population by 50% by uh, 2024 as well as reducing uh, racial disparities within the criminal justice system. And our top priority right now is uh, police reform, Uh, just trying to work to have a, a, a new police culture that is transparent and accountable. A new
1: police culture. What would that be like?
2: Um... If I reimagined police, that would be like uh, a police department's really fulfilling the mission of protect and serve. Um, I think a lot of departments have got away from that and they are more in an a, a authoritative stance. Um, and in their missions to fight crime, um, I think they more so, you know, in urban areas are looking to make arrests as opposed to actually protecting and serving the people. And um, I don't think the approach has been the right approach because crime has actually increased over the past 10 years. But if police had a relationship in the communities, if they were actually serving the people in the communities uh, within their jurisdictions um, and we improved relationships, I think that would reduce the crime, and it would even give the police uh, more opportunities, more information to be able to do their job even more effectively. Do
1: you remember a police officer during your young adulthood that you connected with, or would you say that none of the police were quite relatable when when you were younger?
2: No, I can remember uh, uh, two officers, Officer Jones and then a lot of people in the community called him Jonesy and, and Officer Hightower. Uh, both of these black men uh, patrolled uh, uh, various districts in, in my teenage and young adult life within the city of Wilmington. And I, I think the connection was always built with them because for one, I can remember as a young man, they often tried to advise us even. Um, They knew we were being hard-headed and and mischievous at times. They would more so try to uh, give us advice and input as to why we should do the right thing in life. Um, And then when we didn't heed that advice, um, they would actually warn us and come and say, listen, I know you guys uh, aren't doing everything by the book like you should, but if I catch you doing wrong, you will be arrested and you, you will... uh uh uh, receive the consequences of your actions and and that was respectable because you know as teenagers and young adults myself and, and my buddies we understood that we weren't doing the right thing right and we understood that the police had a job so it was just respected that they were there to do their job you know um and then when i got older and now as an adult I don't so much have officers that I feel attached to or communicate with. And um, I think there lies the problem.
1: hmm Tell us your thoughts about House Bill 195. And so under House Bill 195, certain police and employees of the Department of Correction and Department of Services for Children, Youth, and Their Families would wear a body camera to record interactions with the public, of course, in accordance with regulations established by the Council on Police Training. So tell us your thoughts.
2: Well, uh, I think House Bill 195 is a great bill. Uh, I believe that body cameras for police officers and some DOC staff, as well as some uh, children workers, um, is a great way to be transparent and to hold people accountable um, when they do indulge in misconduct. But another great thing about this, Michelle, is not just the transparency of wrongdoing. I think this also gives police departments an opportunity to highlight when officers are role modeling the right way to do things and abiding by procedures. Um, I think everybody that wants police reform can agree. We don't think it's all police who indulge in misconduct. There are good officers out there, and we can highlight those officers as well as hold uh, the ones that do indulge in misconduct uh, 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 accountable. Another great thing about this bill is it it requires the Attorney General uh, with the Council on Police Training to create. Uh, uh, the regulations and and policies around these body cameras. And and that's going to be highly important because if we're going to be transparent, then uh, this footage at some level has to be accessible uh, to the community. And I'm hoping that the council on police training is going to do the right thing. And I'm highly optimistic because HB 195 also requires COPT to have uh, two non-law enforcement civilians uh, join uh, the council. And and that's big because the council does not include that uh, currently at this time. And I think that would give the perspective and the voice of the community into the process of creating these regulations and ensuring that police departments are abided by them.
1: And it really sounds like this bill aligns with the work that you're doing every day for the ACLU.
2: It it really does. Um, It's not often that a bill comes out and truly uh, aligns with the work. And I think uh, HB 195 in its original form, if passed in its original form, uh, truly aligns with the work. Uh, A lot of the language within this bill um, was already familiar to me through conversations we've been having in the uh, Law Enforcement Accountability Task Force uh, Subcommittee of Transparency and Accountability. So when I was reading that language in the bill, it it was good to know that uh, Rep. Dorsey Walker actually took the recommendations uh, of the subcommittees and ensured that they were included uh, in her bill. And I think this is a big step uh, towards transparency and and rebuilding uh, police and community relationships.
1: Certainly a a big step. What else do you think needs to be done here in the state of Delaware?
2: I'm glad you asked. Uh, We definitely need a new use of force uh, law and policy um, that I hope to see coming soon. But even more importantly, we need to amend the board, And we need to amend the law enforcement officer bill of rights in a way that makes uh, cop disciplinary records accessible to the public but also allows for effective community review boards. And effective community review boards has oversight, investigative, and subpoena power uh, in incidences where uh, officers are accused of misconduct. And one thing I just want to clarify with community review boards, Mm -hmm. they are not the final say or the judge and jury in police misconduct. They're just an independent body that has the authority to look into complaints, to do thorough investigations, and to give their recommendations on what should happen in the situation. And I think this is highly important. Most professions have independent review boards or an independent body or individual that is responsible for reviewing misconduct when taking place, all except for the police. This is the only. Uh, uh, entity that we have in the state where we allow them to investigate themselves. And I think if we correct that, then we could begin to hold uh, uh, some officers accountable for misconduct uh, when they do uh, do something wrong.
1: Always a pleasure to talk with you. Anything else you'd like to add?
2: I'd just like to say uh, 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 that for one, Um, I would like to give a a big shout out and thank you to Rep Dorsey Walker for uh, introducing uh, this body uh, uh, camera legislation and um, introducing the first uh, legislation, piece of legislation towards uh, police reform that I think a lot of the community um, was expecting to come from the Delaware Black Caucus. So I want to give a shout out and thank you to Rep Cook for chairing and leading the uh, Law Enforcement Accountability Task Force. And at this point, I just want to urge all of the Delaware Black Caucus to please continue to introduce uh, police reform legislation in this session. And let's just do all we can up in the June 30th to uh, continue to reform police so that we can create a new culture of policing in Delaware.
1: last but not least i have university of delaware's police chief pat ogden welcome
3: hi how are you thank you for having me
1: yeah so you actually testified at a hearing on house bill 195 what was the most important thing for you to share with uh, people
3: well the one thing that i think is most important is that there's widespread support from the public uh, the police, the prosecutors, the Office of Defense Services, uh, across the board, wealth- widespread support uh, for a body-worn camera, statewide program, uh, and video evidence repository that, you know, in my opinion, is going to make an immediate impact on enhancing accountability, increasing transparency, and building trust with our community. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. If you don't have the trust for your, of your community, uh, we're just kind of spinning our wheels.
1: Now, you participated in the law enforcement, the law enforcement accountability task force. Was that something that you heard a lot from from people that they they were concerned about the transparency of the police?
3: For sure. I think that, uh, you know, because of events that have been broadcast out, you know, uh, through the media uh, with with, you know, events that have occurred across the country, you know, the, the trust of policing you know on a local level in our state has eroded because of kind of national events not necessarily and, and I'm not you know I will acknowledge that there there are isolated events that happen in, in, in every jurisdiction but the 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 trust has eroded as a result of, of national events here locally so uh, we need to really kind of work hard and roll up our sleeves and and, uh, and find creative ways to build trust back up with our community.
1: And this is just a step toward that.
3: For sure and uh, you know it's not the it's not the end- all solution, but it's part of it. you know uh, growing up, I'm sure you know we both heard the, the, the term or the adage that the, a picture is worth a thousand words right yes in policing when I started, uh, they used to say hey, if you don't put it in your report, it didn't happen. And it's kind of the same now as technology has evolved that you know, as for whether it's whether it's prosecuting a criminal case, whether it's resolving an internal affairs investigation, or even improving police performance. You know, you, you gotta take a hard look at what we're seeing on the body worn camera, both the video and the audio, uh, and, and use that. In some cases, the prosecute cases resolve internal affairs complaints and, and in and in most cases improve police performance when uh, when that video is used appropriately for supervisory review, uh, there's an opportunity for training and development there as well.
1: You've been in law enforcement for more than 30 years. Did you ever see this happening, uh, getting body-worn cameras?
3: Uh, Well, as technology has evolved over the last few years, I have, but, you know, policing has evolved so much. I mean, you know, when I started police officers were, you know, handwriting reports with carbon copies that you had to press hard so that you could make three copies, you know, whether it was a ticket or a report or anything like that. I mean, almost everything now, uh, is done on the computer. And, you know, of course I was around, uh, when they started with the, the in car cameras on the dashboard and that evolved into the body worn camera. So, you know, I'm not necessarily a techie, I don't know how it works, but I, I, I embrace technology. I think it's, uh, it's helped the profession, it, uh, and honestly, I think, you know, these body-worn cameras, you know, kind of, uh, you know, they, they change the, the, the way the police officers interact with the public, and in some cases, the way that the public uh, interact with the police, because both, both sides of the camera realize that the, the conversation and the interaction is being recorded.
1: Yeah. What drew you to law enforcement? What got you so involved?
3: So, I, honestly, I've never wanted to do anything else in my life. My father was a, was a career police officer in Wilmington, and I'm the youngest of six boys. And two of my older brothers were police officers. And, uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I was the kid that dressed up as the, as the cop at Halloween. You know, So I'm, I'm really, you know, you heard the term before, I'm living the dream. You know, I, I use that term a lot, and I truly am living my dream. So it's, uh, it's been a great ride. Uh, you know, and there's been some, some peaks and valleys, you know, when I first started. Uh, back in the late '80s, everyone you know really loved and embraced the police, and then you know Rodney King and O.J. Simpson happened, and and the police were looked at in a different light, you know. And then 9/11 happened, and again they're they're looked at in a different light. Ferguson happens, looked at in a different light. So mm-hmm. it kind of you know there's these peaks and valleys, these highs and lows. But uh, at the end of the day, we really need to just go out there and kind of reinvent what we're doing, learn from our mistakes, and again it, I can't stress enough, it's all about trying to build that community trust. Uh, and I think these body-worn cameras will go a long way in doing that. It's not not the only answer, but it's a good first step Yes, uh, with, with some of the other police reform initiatives that are, are being introduced.
1: It's interesting you brought up peaks and valleys and mentioned a number of different situations and, and historic events, for lack of better words, how was it or how just describe your time as a police officer dealing with some of those peaks and valleys?
3: Uh, I mean, for the most part, I think, you know, I, I teach it at all the police academies. And, and the one thing I tell them is the, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. So and you try to, you know, for, for me anyway, uh, like I use a traffic crash as an example, you know, when I whenever I went to a traffic crash, I tried to treat everybody like you know they're they're my mother you know because when you're having a traffic crash when you're involved in a traffic crash you're having a bad day you know everything is 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 kind of knocked out of whack and that's and that's if you're not injured you know It's, it's just a regular collision where it's kind of a fender bender and uh you just try to treat people with respect and dignity and go go the extra mile and you get a lot out of that i've i've uh I found that you know when you treat people the right way, it makes things go so much easier. I, I, I can really reflect back on the first time that uh, when I took someone – back in the old days when you, when you dropped somebody off into in, in the, in the prison, uh, you would take them into booking and receiving, and the police officer would actually take the handcuffs off the, the prisoner before turning them over to the Department of Corrections. And I remember this one time I took the handcuffs off, and the guy turned around and thanked me, and I'm thinking to myself why are you, mm-hmm. i just took you to jail why are you thanking me and he, he looked at me and he says you know you're, you're the first cop i ever ran into that treated me with respect wow yeah so that at the end of the day that's what it's all about is just treat treating people the way you want to be treated you know and 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 keeping in mind that unfortunately most times when police officers are called in we're we're going to meet with people who are having a bad day whether it's a traffic crash or they're the victim of a crime or the suspect in a crime it's you know, their emotions are running high and they're, they're having a bad day. And If we just try to stay positive and treat people with respect, you can kind of turn that bad situation into, into a somewhat of a, a better situation.
1: I love it. What would you like to say? Any last, not, I don't want to say last words as if we'll never hear from you again, because I'm <laughs> certain that we'll be calling you to, to to talk with us again on Whip Count, but anything else you want to close out with or share with the audience?
3: Just that uh, I want to thank Representative Dorsey Walker and the other bill sponsors for their leadership and collaboration. And collaboration, too, I think, is a real key. Uh, you know, so I represent the Delaware Police Chiefs Council as chairman, and uh, you know, we've been collaborating with our legislators, uh, our attorney general, and various stakeholders to try to improve things. So, you know, the 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 police chiefs council, we we don't look at police reform as as some hindrance or or, or an obstacle we look at it as an opportunity and uh, you know we want to be part of the solution not be part of the problem and you know subscribe to national uh, best practices out there in our profession to try to uh, enhance what we do and again at the end of the day it's all about trying to build back up that community trust
1: Whip count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dems, on Twitter at DE House Dems, on Instagram, also at DE House Dems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.